0: Welcome to Group Talk, four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Here to There with Carolyn Keketa.
1: Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. I'm sure we are all praying and hoping for a better 2021, because 2020 was rough. Um, but God is good, and we made it through. And as we turn our attention to this new year, what are some things you are thinking about changing or trying out in your leadership or in your ministry? That's really what this podcast, Here to There, is all about. We want to help move you from here, your present reality, which is some aspects you'd probably like to change, to there, the place where you grow a bit more fully into the leader that God has called you to be, and that your group's ministry grows more fully into the biblical community that God has called you to shepherd. So thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of Here to There for 2021. And to kick off this new year, I wanted to focus on something and someone um, that has a huge impact to all of our ministries. I'm talking about your senior pastor and your relationship with him or her. And if we can get this piece moving in the right direction, um, then 2021 is going to be a much more fruitful year for ministry and also probably a lot more fun for you as well. So as a small group point leader, we're usually leading from the second, third, fourth, or maybe 10th chair, depending on the size and structure of your church. Um, So you are not the senior pastor, most likely, so you typically don't have the decision-making power over resources like platform time, promotional priorities, staffing, or money that could further the impact and grow the group's ministry. This can lead to frustrations that often get shared, usually with other small group point leaders um, in comments when you're together at places like the lobby conference or in your huddle, where we say things like, oh, my pastor's just not bought into small groups, or my pastor won't be in a group, or he won't lead a group, or he never talks about groups, or maybe it's something more um, midway in the spectrum. My pastor values groups and thinks it's a great idea, but it's just not as high a priority as other ministries. So if you're listening to this and your senior pastor is either Rick Warren or he's 100% on board with small groups, talks about it all the time, is in a group, loves his group, makes it a high priority and throws lots of resources, whatever you want, into the group's ministry, then be very, very thankful and send them a text or a card and tell them how much you appreciate their support. However, if you're like 99% of us and you're in a situation where your senior leadership is not 100% supportive, and you're wondering how you can get them more engaged in groups, then today's program will be especially helpful for you. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with an old friend and colleague, Alan White, who is not only an expert in all topics related to small groups ministry, but is also one of the funniest people I know. Um, and I mean that in, in like the most positive way possible. He has a wicked sense of humor that I really appreciate. And if you've been on the Small Group Network Facebook page, You've probably seen Alan pop up now and then, and usually um, we're responding with a laughing emoji. So Alan, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
2: Hey, thank you, Carolyn, for having me back again.
1: Yes. So Alan, you were one of my earliest guests on Group Talk um, when we started this five years ago. And actually, your talk had one of the best titles uh, we've ever had. Do you remember what it is?
2: You know what? I actually don't. (laughs)
1: I know because you've done so many things since then, but I went and looked it up because I just remember thinking, gosh, that was that was really fun. We called it, should I stay or should I go?
2: Oh, that's <laughs> right. About when the group should, should end.
1: Yes. And when you can kick people out. Right. Well, um, which is not and, something
2: I usually talk about.
1: Right. Which is <laughs> why it was such get them a fun started, conversation. Not get them- <laughs> <laughs> which is why it was a fun conversation. It's something we all deal with. Um, and it's such a delicate topic of balancing tooth and grace, and um, you were a wonderful guest on that. If you're interested in that topic of when you can uh, release a member, uh, when you can end a group, that sort of thing, you can find it in our archives on our Small Group Network website page under Group Talk. I think it's still there. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about Alan. Alan White has led small groups and discipleship ministries for over 30 years, which is amazing because you you are not that old. <laughs> You were 12 when you began. There you go. Um, he's a pastor, a consultant, and an author, and he has coached over 1,500 churches um, in small groups and discipleship ministry, and he's the author of four books, including his latest book, Leading Online Small Groups, Embracing the Church's Digital Future. And you also wrote one a while back, maybe last year the year before, about senior, senior leadership, right?
2: I-, I wrote a short ebook called The Senior Pastor's Guide to Groups. Um, right. which actually talks about some uh, some research of why groups are beneficial and uh, why senior pastors need to be a big promoter, which is what we're talking about today.
1: Right. So it's actually the flip of of this, but could be a really good resource. So we'll link that in the um show notes so that you can access that. And it's an ebook, so it's pretty. Um, accessible. But yeah, I remember reading it thinking, yes, this is this is true. And I didn't give it to my senior leader, but um, the research really does bear that out. And we'll talk about that more in depth. So uh, let's start here, Alan. So you travel all over the country um, talking and coaching small group pastors and directors. So when it comes to this topic of senior leadership commitment to small group ministries, where do you think most churches are? What have you seen? Well,
2: it's kind of a broad spectrum, but I think for, for most churches, it's either they think small groups are important and they're not doing anything about it, or mm-hmm. they hired somebody to be you know in charge of small groups. And so their commitment to uh, small groups is that they pay their small group director's salary. Um,
1: <laughs> or Which is a good start.
2: Some yeah, it is. But then there are also churches, and I've actually was in a church that was like this. I won't tell you which one because I only ever served two. But um, I kind of at the beginning it felt like discipleship and small groups were there for when people accused the church of being lightweight or too seeker focused mm. or whatever, that small groups and discipleship almost felt like I was they'd point to me, like I was the complaint department. <laughs> I mean, if you need something deeper, go over there, and uh, and it's kind of like, well, what's the church doing about it? Well, we hired Alan White. Go over there and talk to him. Uh, but it wasn't. But it seemed like kind of a half-hearted effort. And I think a lot of churches would like to do better with groups than w- how they're doing. But um, sometimes they don't know what to give it. Sometimes they mm-hmm. say, well, this is the small group pastor's job, and the small group pastor should take care of it, um, and not understanding the role that the senior pastor mm-hmm. you know should play in it.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that because I think that is common. Um, so sometimes, yes, let's say the group is, let's say the church is evolved enough in this area to hire someone for that, right? And these are our listeners. So yay, that's a big step forward than a church that maybe just added that role on top of other things. And you've seen that. I, I know a lot of people just add small groups onto whatever else, maybe children's ministry or discipleship or connection or something else that gets added on probably in smaller churches, right?
2: Yeah. Well, and even in the churches, you know, churches that are growing that you want to do a lot of things. I, I've never, it was interesting, I've never purely had a role of only small groups. It's always been small groups and. Right. And the first church I was in, because we grew from 85 to 1,512 years, you know, I had all of the adults, which included groups, but included everything else related right. to adults, all the children's ministry, and I led worship for a season. And I'll be honest, Carolyn, it was not a very good <laughs> season. <laughs>
1: Why? Wow, jack of all traits. I think that's super common. And last month and this summer, we talked with Peter Clow, who's a vocational pastor, and they're in a smaller church, and well, even volunteers are have small groups as part of their bucket of responsibilities. So um, just designating somebody to be your small group champion or point person, that may be the first step to valuing it in terms of senior leaders. Mm-hmm. So now what ends up happening, though, uh, when you do that? And you just kind of alluded to it. So you've identified a few misnomers or false facts that we bought into uh, in small group ministry world about this relationship between the point leaders and the senior leader. Um, And one of them is that, exactly that, right? That small Mm -hmm. groups are our job or the point leader's job and not the senior pastor's job. Talk about why that's a misnomer.
2: Well, it is that feeling that it's relegated to a department and there's somebody Mm -hmm. in charge of that department and the person in charge of that department is responsible for that 100%. So one of the things I go at is Jesus never said go and make small groups, which is probably the exact wrong <laughs> thing to say on this particular podcast. But he didn't. I think he would agree. <laughs> yeah, he didn't say go and make small groups. He said go and make disciples, and that's that's the church's mission. The church staff doesn't need to go out and go off and have a three day retreat to figure out their mission because it's right there in Matthew twenty eight. Um, so our mission is to make disciples. Small groups are one of the tools you can use to make disciples. I think it's a very important tool, but I've kind of got small groups on the brain. And so if you think of this, the idea of the church's mission is not relegated to one staff member. It should be from, from the top down. And so I think, you know, for the senior pastor to not do it, I know sometimes senior pastors are a little cautious because they feel like they need, well, we have a lot of ministries in our church, we have a lot of staff, we need to to be fair to everybody. It's like the
1: parenting uh, thing, right? The difference of kids, you know, you want to be fair to everyone so everyone gets a little piece of the pie.
2: I just tell my kids, when they say, that's not fair, I say, you know what? Life's not fair. And you just need to learn (laughs) that early. Um, You and I must
1: parent similarly. I I, I say, you know, life's not fair, but God is good.
2: There you go. (laughs) Or I just say, well, they're my favorite. But no, I don't say that. (laughs) They can work it out in therapy. But anyway, um, but I actually wrote a post a couple years ago that was called The Unfairness of Being Fair. Mm. Because in um, one church I was in, we used to have. Uh, there's a ministry in the church that was called Pause for People, where they would take animals into places to visit Aww. people, and it's it's very sweet that's and great. very nice. But to stand up and announce that in front of five thousand people on Sunday morning, compared to other things,
1: you know, like small like, groups,
2: <laughs> yeah, like small groups or women's groups, men's groups. Well, there's the whole church right there. Small groups. There's the whole church. Pause for people. That's like twelve people.
1: Yes, but they're really, but it's so sweet. Everybody makes everybody feel good.
2: It is. It is. So, but there is kind of this unfairness of being fair. And there are some things that, you know, given the right emphasis, given the right timing, not constantly, but in a focused effort, um, you know, the right words and the right timing from a senior pastor. Because, I mean, you know, what occurred in, in our case was. I'd worked for seven years, recruiting leaders, connecting people into groups, beating my head against a wall. (laughs) We had 30% of our adults connected into groups. The first time that my senior pastor recruited group leaders, we doubled our groups. The second time my senior pastor recruited group leaders, we doubled them again to the point where we had 125% of our average adult attendance connected into groups. All of that to say, I have not personally recruited a small group leader since 2004.
1: Okay, so that sounds like the Shangri La, right? The, the promised <laughs> promised land. That may yeah. be the there that we're we're trying to go to. So let's let's um, pull it back a little bit. So the okay. senior pastor role, and then I referenced Rick Warren because he's famously has said that he is the small groups champion for Absolutely. Saddleback Church, and that Steve Clayton um, is like number two on that, and that is, um, and he does so much for um, their small groups ministry because he believes in us so thoroughly. Same thing would be true for North Point. Um, you know, with Annie Stanley. So you see these churches where small group ministry is a huge, it's their heartbeat, it's their DNA, right? And it seems like it's connected to the senior pastor being, um, being really engaged. And so what's some mistakes though, that we make as point leaders when we try to get our small group, um, when, I, when we try to get our senior pastors on board? And these are some of those conversations that happen around the, you know, uh, around the huddles and such.
2: Yeah, and I've I've seen small group pastors, you know, work themselves into knots that they can't get their senior pastor mm-hmm. on board with groups. And I just have to tell them because out of thirty years of ministry, the two churches that I served, I was the associate pastor. I've never been a senior pastor. And then I was in a parachurch ministry and I was the vice president. So I've always been like that second <laughs> number chair. number
1: two, number three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: So when people, you know, work themselves into knots over, I can't get my pastor on board, I can't get my pastor on board, I finally have to stop the people at some point and say, listen, buddy, it's your pastor's boat. Mm -hmm. It's not your job to get your pastor on board of anything. So it's your pastor's boat. Where is your pastor headed? What is your pastor passionate about? What are those dominant themes that your pastor preaches on? What are those ministries that he talks about all the time? And how can you connect small groups to where your pastor is headed?
1: So you do small groups with pets, and Everything. that way you get paused <laughs> to people because part <laughs> of the small groups ministry. I can see how see. There's an example of how I we don't can know. I can, bring that bring that in together, but that that You've is Then you got allergies,
2: so where do you go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's a really important point, though, Alan, is that to recognize that God has has given that role to either, you know, the lead pastor senior pastor, leadership team, however the way the church is organized, mm-hmm. um, it's, you're not going to be that final decision maker. Um, and a lot of times the small group point leaders aren't even around the table at that level. Um, so that's another layer to consider. And it actually does set us free in some ways when you recognize that, you know, you have a role to play. And it's a really important role. Um, and God has called you to, but ultimately the responsibility. Of getting them on board, it's it's more of a Holy Spirit thing. Mm -hmm. I I prayed for years before my senior pastor um, joined and um, joined a small group, and I custom fit the group for him as a way to help him feel comfortable because it's it's a tough thing um, sometimes for senior pastors to be in any group Mm -hmm. because because they get hit from all sides all the time. And I wanted to create a community for him and his especially and his wife, where um, it would be friendships and it would be safe, um, and that it would help him, you know, just to be a uh, just a nurturing place for him. Was yeah. what I was going for. Um, so I I hand chose people that I knew were really trustworthy and and could be that space, um, and that's been really great for him. But you know, instead of complaining about him, I started telling God, you know, I think he needs to be in a group. Lord, you know, make this happen, and he did. And so my encouragement, if you're kind of stuck on that point, is, yeah, it's helpful to have the, the, um, the senior pastor on board, but it's not on uh, board in the sense of being in a group. Um, but it's not uh, you know, necessarily the, the end-all and be-all, right?
2: Yeah. And I've seen some churches where the sticking point of why groups aren't moving forward is because the senior pastor doesn't want to be in a group. Maybe the senior pastor mm-hmm. doesn't even like groups. And so the pastor is oh. not going to promote groups. Because then they'll say, small groups are good for you, but they're not good for me because I don't want to be in one. Yeah. They, so don't what do you feel, with- they don't want to feel hypocritical.
1: Yeah. So what do you do with that if they don't even like groups?
2: Well, I, I say in a minimum, find something that the pastor can call a group. So, oh, do, so lower
1: the so – you're, you're recommending you lower the bar.
2: So Something they can call their group. <laughs> so do they have a group of pastors that they meet with and they talk about pastor stuff and pray for each other? Huh. Um, I mean – do, do they play golf every week with the same three other people that could be their group? I had one pastor that, that, um, he had two friends that, you know, they were buddies and they did everything together. And I'm like, that could be your group. And he's like, really? And, uh, cause he's imagining all of these people that, well, no, I won't. Yeah, say he's it.
1: imagining it, it's it's going to be a whole bunch of complainers um, yeah. that are going to have direct access.
2: Yeah, because honestly, uh, I, I you know groups that are attracted to be in the the quote unquote pastors group, I don't even want to be in that group. But yeah. um, and if the pastor is going to do a home group, then you know where you finally convince them they should do that. Then what you're describing of where's the pastor going to be comfortable, but also. Where is the pastor's wife going to be comfortable? Exactly.
1: If she's or or husband or now, husband.
2: Or husband, there we go. I won't be <laughs>
1: <laughs> I won't
2: mess up the, the genderism there. Um I, I'm I, I'm old. That's that's how it goes. But anyway, um, I think that the pastor's spouse should have some say whatever group they're Absolutely. comfortable in would be the group that you would choose. To the point that the pastor can stay stand up and honestly say
0: mm-hmm.
2: hey, the other night in my group because it's not those official announcements it's not the slick videos it's not the promos and the inserts and all of that sort of thing it's just those casual asides in a sermon where the pastor references the group that they're in
1: really do you think that's true you think that has more weight than a a wonderful small group story and you know a really slick promoted uh, tearjerker video
2: I think it could add to it, but you know, part of it is I used to do a lot of over the top promotion say, you know, get into a group, you're going to make some of the best friends you've ever had. And I'll be honest with you, Carolyn, I've had to go back and apologize to people Mm. for because I mean, you know, you can move heaven and earth, get people in a group, and they don't, none of them like each other, and they pray that it ends or that the Lord comes back, you know. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and you go back to the Should I Stay or Should I Go uh, go. podcast five years ago. Um, but yeah, no, that's really good advice though, to find, um, to talk with them. I think also maybe the tone and when you approach that conversation, um, and I've made the mistake, um, earlier on in my ministry of really wanting and wanting this, the pastor to be, um, in a group talking about it. And I, I got kind of preachy and self-righteous about it because I wanted, I, I wanted that, you know, um, that, um, so storytelling from the pulpit. And I knew it was going to have a lot of weight. Um, and I think it just ended up making him more defensive. And then I, it got better when I really seriously got better when I started talking to God about it. And I started asking, Hey, what's, you know, and what's the uh, resistance? Like, can you tell me what, um, what you're concerned about? And they were so legitimate. I mean, it, it, you know, you don't want to make yourself a target for some random people. And so his understanding of what he thought group would be and what I was proposing Uh, were two different things. So once we had an honest conversation about it, I was like, no, I would never put some random strangers into your group and not protect you. Like that would Mm -hmm. be a really bad idea. you know, and so I so I went away, thought about it some more, um, and then God just brought to mind a few people that really they already had some friendships with um, mm-hmm. that were high level um, executive types that were really used to confidentiality, used to running at that level, and just made such a difference. Some of the wives were already friends. I mean, it was like like just kind. Of, and it took time, and mm-hmm. so I would encourage our listeners to to pray through it and think about maybe they do have two buddies um, and give them you know give them some grace with that.
2: Yeah. Um. I mean, you open up and you're vulnerable about something and there isn't the trust in the group, Mm -hmm. or sometimes people regard pastors as being something other than human, you know, something other than normal people, you know, like celebrities, you can say whatever you want about them and get away with it. But it's not true and it's not right. Yes. And I think that idea of if I if I divulge something to the group and it goes somewhere somebody whispers about it outside of the group, then, I mean, that's a huge problem. So I mean, like with anybody yes. else, there has to be trust um, nice. in the group and where's that comfortable place. Mm-hmm. And so I think if the pastor could find that place, and maybe it's not unconventional, um, but something that the pastor can refer to as a group. Then they then they feel more confident in promoting groups because they don't yes. feel like a hypocrite. You know? Exactly.
1: I think that I think that totally happened in our situation. And then it, also even beyond senior pastor, I think even for other staff on our team, other pastors, um, once one of the things I said to our staff was, you know, you don't have to lead the group. And that took a huge weight off. Same thing mm-hmm. with the senior senior leadership. Um, and the executive I said, you can I would love to have you be in a group and you can form your group, but don't, you don't have to lead it. Cause if you just think about it, one more night away mm-hmm. from the family doing some ministry, like th- that's tough, mm-hmm. um, when they already are doing a lot of nights. So I think, um, just finding ways, flexible ways where, you know, you listen to their concerns and their spouse's concerns are really legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, their spouses tend to sacrifice a lot of evenings Um, for them to be able to do ministry and to recognize that and to form something around that. It doesn't have to look like every other um, type of group. So I think loosening that up helps with not, you know, putting ourselves in knots about it. Um, Is there any other thing, any other misnomers before we move to, um, where you give us the the secret sauce to it all?
2: <laughs> I think those are the kind of the main ones. Is that the, the small group pastor director is responsible for groups? That that's one mm-hmm. misnomer. The other is you got to get your pastor on board, and then and then the third being this idea of um, the small group pastor, the small group or senior pastor. If mm-hmm. I say it right, senior pastor mm-hmm. um, needs to uh, be in a group in order to promote groups are kind of the the biggest issues yeah. um, that I've seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is trust, as you've said. So now um, say, okay, we've, we've uh, done some of that. We've had those conversations and then we want to move um, our senior leader from where they are and engage them more fully. So what are some steps that people could take?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll start with a story. So, you know, after seven years of personally recruiting leaders, and, you know, I would put them into a turbo group, we train them up, we send them out, you know, to start a group. Some years we started 10, some years we started two. one year we started zero. And uh, I, I was stuck. I just didn't know how to get any more leaders. And so I went to this conference in Southern California, and got very inspired by some things that I was hearing from some churches around the country. Of um, how they were, I mean, they were multiplying groups without dividing them, and they were recruiting leaders from, you know, out of the woodwork. And I was <laughs> fascinated by all of this, but I, I didn't know how to get my senior pastor involved in that. So, driving home 350 mm-hmm. miles to lovely, scenic, beautiful Turlock, California, <laughs> and began to think about what is my pastor talking about right now? What is mm-hmm. in, on his heart? This was 2004. And so, the movie, uh, The Passion of the Christ, was about to be released. And so he'd already planned a sermon series because he knew that people would see the film and then they would have spiritual questions. Mm -hmm. And he'd already bought a little bit of advertising Mm -hmm. for the series. And so I walked into his office and I said, Pastor Dave, I said, what would you think about launching groups around the passion of the Christ? And he said, I think that's a great idea. Now, why did he think it was a great idea? Because it was his idea. And I just attached <laughs> yes. small groups to that, and with that series, and and you know the rest of the story is we had to make our own video with him on the doing the teaching on the video, and uh, but he stood up and said, I think kind of borrowed a few lines from Rick Warren. You know, if you can push play and pour a cup of coffee, if you can invite a few friends, mm-hmm. um, we doubled our groups in a day. After seven years of getting to thirty percent, and then we had sixty percent mm-hmm. after one day of of him recruiting. And so we found a couple of things that were effective there. One was the senior pastor being the spokesperson, but how do you get the senior pastor to be the spokesperson? Right. Well, he was more engaged because I asked him to put his teaching on the video. And so I did this with a pastor about nine years ago in Tampa, and we spent a whole day recording video. Uh, we were coaching them. They did all of the work, which is e- the easy part. You get to coach mm-hmm. them, and then they were going to do all the writing and everything. So spent a whole day shooting video. The next day, the pastor pulls us um, into his office and says, so we've shot this video. We're creating this curriculum. Now, how are we going to recruit leaders, and how are we going to get people connected Mm -hmm. into groups? And the discipleship pastor pulled me aside later in the day, and he said, I've been trying to get my pastor interested in small Mm -hmm. groups for two years. He said, and you just did it, almost like it was an accusation. You just Mm -hmm. did it. And I just smiled at him and said, well, you know, I'm Alan White. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> that's not what I said. Is the this re- your money
1: back guarantee for coaching? Yeah, there you
2: go. So the the reason the pastor was engaged, the reason he wanted, how do you recruit leaders? How do you want to get people? How do I get people connected into groups? Imagine your senior pastor asking that was because he spent a whole day mm-hmm. recording his teaching on video, and now that he had something invested. Right then then uh, he wanted to make sure that it was going to be a winner. You know, when it, pastors right. want to make a curriculum and then nobody uses it. So all right. of a sudden they're very motivated. And so we found that it was actually for pastors to do their own curriculum on video. And I'm not talking about something that costs thousands of dollars. I mean, right. it could be an iPhone and it could be uploading it to YouTube and, and attaching it to... Right, now
1: technology has made that so much easier. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, there's, there was a... a a documentary a few years ago that won an Oscar was shot entirely on an iPhone. Wow. So, you know, it, it's amazing where technology has gone. But the thing is, the pastor's more engaged with groups if the pastor's on the video, and the people are more engaged with groups in right. that, I'll just say it, other than Jesus, <laughs> the reason people <laughs> attend your church is because of your senior pastor. They like the pastor's personality. They laugh at the person's jokes. They like the pastor's teaching. Now, I usually caution people at this point and say, don't mention this to your worship pastor because it'll break. I was going
1: to say, I think music (laughs) might be up there as well.
2: (laughs) But it really is the senior pastor. And so when the pastor stands up and said, we've created these materials based on my teaching, you're giving your people more of what they already want.
1: Do, did you do you think this strategy which has been solid and tested over and over um, in so many churches right um, do you think the strategy still is as effective now pre um, you know post 2020 post people being on online so much Um Like are people I've noticed last year in 2020 that um, people were less inclined to do video curriculum because they were on screen so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that. Do you think this strategy would still work uh, when maybe people are more burnt out on video and online curriculum?
2: Well, if a church hasn't done it to death, I think you, there's a window and then you've got to kind of back off. You know, we initially did three, three campaigns in a, a year. And, you know, we got from 30% to 125% in groups. And then we backed off and did one series a year um, just as an excuse to recruit new small group leaders. Right. Um, Right. But, you know, so we didn't do it just for the sake of doing it. And then there are some churches that, and again, it's a whole other topic. There's some churches that, you know, you mentioned campaign and their people are just going (laughs) to disappear. And so there's a time that, you know, you have to kind of, you have to do some different things in order to keep people engaged, in order to... You know, help them in the next phase of where they need to go. Um, I tried to say that as nicely as I could, uh, but <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> that was very nicely said. But,
2: um, but you know, I the, the, when it comes down to is, we still have a mission to to make disciples. There still is a, ne- uh, a need for connection and community, and so if the excuse is if people say, "Well, I'm not the Bible teacher, I'm not the Bible expert," mm-hmm. and you have a, a short video, that's that enough of a a thing where they don't feel like they have to be the teacher because you don't want them to be the teacher. And it right. also engages your senior pastor. But you know, I've, I've seen over the years, I mean, there's some groups that would never do a study without a video. And there's some groups that would never do a That's study true. with a video. Right. Um, so if you haven't tried it, try it, it'll work. And if, if you've been doing it for a long time, you maybe need to change up what you're doing a little bit in order to, um, in order to get that to work. But the main thing is, whatever the senior pastor is in favor of, whatever the senior pastor champions is what's going to happen in the church. And so the more you can be, you know,
1: Align- aligned support, with that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A support you'd be, uh, to be aligned, aligning small groups with whatever the senior pastor is headed toward, the less that you can be a nag about it, <laughs> um, the better off that, and I've been a nag, um, as you might. Me imagine. too. But, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but you know, for a good cause. But um, anyway, it's it really does help to, to show that it all works together, and it can be a, definitely a strong component when you look at um, Dr. Warren Bird and Scott Thuma just came out with the 2020 Mega Church uh, Report, mm-hmm. which is available on. Uh, um, the Evangelical Council of Financial Accountability's website. Um, it's ECFA. That, that
1: just sounds, that's such a mouthful.
2: ECF, ECFA. Um, it is produced by the Hartford Institute. What they show is, in their megachurch report, among the five areas um, that, that churches are growing faster in, one of the five areas is small groups. And yeah. the more people have connected in small groups, the faster the churches are growing and um you know and again this is not anecdotal it isn't i'm mr small groups on right. the brain you know you look at even going back to research from you know ed stetzer and eric geiger and transformational groups are going all right. the way back 30 years to uh, robert Withnow's uh, research at princeton um sharing the journey you you see that most of the things that happened in church churches that if people are in groups They're going to attend more often. They're going to give more. They're going to bring more people. They're going to grow more. They're going to serve more. um, They're going to reach more people um, if they're connecting into groups. And so if your pastor is a little uncertain about groups or what their involvement should be, whatever the pastor's greatest need is. You you say, well, here's some research that shows that churches that are engaging in groups are growing in this particular area. There's not an area that your pastor wants the church to grow that small groups doesn't help it to grow in.
1: Well, one area might be in giving. Yeah, surfing. <laughs> you know, those stats do do bear it out. Um I so you know you're tempted to kind of go here's the, here's the data right and be a nag about it. I think there's probably a more um, nuanced way to share that kind of information. Sure. And in that study, the bird study, which is excellent, it's a little long but um, just the the uh, the way they went about it is pretty thorough, mm-hmm. um, and it has some other data in there too. And so I think that's a helpful helpful resource. Um, so Alan, w- is there any um, other final thoughts you'd like to share? You know,
2: probably one more story. I was working with a church in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area a few years ago, and they did um, two self-produced churchwide campaigns back to back. They did one in the new year, they did one after Easter. And um, they had never done this before. And they, they did a back to back promoted groups. The end of six months, they compared Uh, they're giving in their attendance to where they were in the same six months the previous year. And -hmm. the church had grown by seven and a half percent and their giving had increased by seven percent. And the only thing they did different was to create their own campaigns and to promote groups and the pastor promoted groups from the platform. Um, So one anecdote to go with all of the research, (laughs) uh, but, you know, I would say sometimes um, to introduce this to a pastor You know, first of all, say, "Hey, I know that you're excited about you know this particular initiative that's coming up, or a conference, or you know whatever it is. Um, How could we align small groups with that?" I was thinking about a way, or you know, even to do this, Carolyn. And I tell people this all the time. Say, I was listening to a podcast the other day, (laughs) and this guy named Alan White said, and this may be a dumb idea. And you know what? If it's a if your pastor says, "Yeah, that is a dumb idea," blame it all on me.
1: Like this dude from South Carolina told me this. Yeah, and just but, throw it out there. But If your
2: pastor loves it, then it was your idea.
1: <laughs> yes, the, and you become the hero. But I think that approach, though, is is sound
2: mm-hmm.
1: to recognize. I mean, that you know, it the weight of leadership is pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. On the senior pastor and to recognize that and be a helpful support for it. Um, It doesn't mean that you don't um, disagree or you don't advocate for biblical community. You absolutely do. But that you're wise about it and also recognize the limitation of your role, um, Mm -hmm. which actually can be also a blessing and not just a a frustration.
2: Well, and just by virtue of the office, the senior pastor carries the vision and the leadership of the church. Right. And so as much as you can get whatever you're doing in line right. with the vision and leadership of your church, the better off you're going to be. That doesn't mean the senior pastor is going to be your best friend. That doesn't mean you're always going to get everything that you want. But um but what it does mean is you're gonna be able to get further faster. Um, because I mean think about it, the ideal scenario, Carolyn, is the pastor recruits the leaders, the leaders recruit the group members. Right. And then if as a small group pastor or director, you pour your energy into coaching and training, you're going to get a lot further faster than you were doing it the other way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So true. Uh, Well, um, Alan, you have a website, alanwhite.org. It's A-L-L-E-N, white.org, where you can find um, Alan's blogs. He's actually a terrific writer as well. Um, And his books, his courses, you can also make an appointment with him if you just want to talk to him about what's going on and see um, where he can help. And Alan is also part of the small group network and leads a huddle in Grim- Greenville, South Carolina. That's and you have right. no accent because you're a California person. There-
2: actually, I grew up in Kansas, so I really have no accent. No accent.
1: Maybe that's why. why There's there's no accent, but he is in South Carolina. Um, And you can also, of course, interact with Alan on our Facebook Small Group Network group page. If you haven't um, subscribed to that, go ahead and do that because there's a lot of great content and community and fellowship on that page. I I love that hanging out there. Um, Thank you, Alan, so much for your wisdom, and God bless you and your ministry to churches. Thank you very much, Carolyn. Well, thank you all for listening to Here to There. Until next time, remember we are better together.
0: Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode from Here to There. And thank you so much to Alan White for being on this episode. I've gotten to know Alan a little bit over the past couple of years. And I got to say, he's been one of my favorites in small group ministry, but don't let him know I told you that. Now, before we go, let's talk about virtual lobby. Due to the COVID-19 restrictions in California, this year's annual lobby gathering will be held live online. And the lobby is one of the nation's premier small group training and networking events. This year's event will run from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time each day and we'll start off with a general session in the first hour followed by various breakout sessions on every small group hot topic you can think of. Speakers include Steve Gladen from Saddleback, Bill Willis from North Point, Jared Kirkwood from Mariners, and Dave Ends from North Coast and over 40 breakout session speakers. Get 30% off now by using code SAVECASH. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-S-H visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events to register you and your team today and thank you for listening to group talk we invite you to subscribe to our podcast through itunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically